things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. Radio plays from the golden age of Hollywood. Family Theater Productions presents remastered family classics from our audio archives. Hello, I'm Father David Guffey, and welcome to this week's show from 1948, hosted by legendary comedian Jimmy Durante. It features the actor and singer Dennis Day, famous for his work on The Jack Benny Show, and later for his work in film and television. Dennis Day shows off his beautiful tenor voice in a song later in the radio show, so keep listening. Barbara Eiler plays his wife. In our story, this young couple has to deal with conflicting career goals and what it means to grow together. Now for today's show. Now get the picture. You sit down. You turn on the radio. You listen for 10 minutes. The suspense is terrible. You're on the edge of your chair. You listen for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 29 minutes. And what happens? The guy finally says to the girl, I love you. The girl finally says to the guy, I love you too. It takes them 29 minutes on a network to come to the point. But not with me. My stories are different. I commence where the other guy concludes. For example, when Madeline McGrogarty was 19, she falls in love with a fellow by the name of Tommy Keneally. Madeline says to Tommy, to wit. I love you, Tommy. To which Tommy rejoins. And I love you too, Madeline. See what I mean? Bang! Right off the bat, we know where we stand. The guy loves the girl and vice versa. So what happens next? Uh, let's say it with flowers and music. You guessed it. They were married. It was a real wedding ceremony. And the old pastor tells Tommy and Madeline something like this. May you have children as numerous as the sands of the sea. And may you live to see your children's children to the second, third, and fourth generations. Which is a very nice sentiment. Because I myself personally believe in kids. To resume the course of my remarks, I shall herewith continue. Tommy Keneally is a nice guy. He's a songwriter and also a singer. He says to his wife, Madeline, one day, If I could sell some of my songs, we'd have enough money to get a house on Long Island. To which Madeline retorts, Well, go ahead, Tommy. Try and sell them. But in the meantime, why don't you keep trying for the cops? So Tommy keeps trying for the cops and writes songs in between. Among some of the gems which he wrote was, uh, Kitchery Gummery Stump, Serenade to a Slap Happy Sultan, The Slooch, And If Thou Was But a Lily Pad, and I was a gay moonbeam. May I add that none of these lyrics, collectively or exclusively, were ever sold or published? Why? Because those are the conditions which prevail. Nonetheless, Tommy and Madeline were happy. For example, on a winter's night, this is how they talk. To wit. Tommy, isn't it nice to sit here in the kitchen and listen to the coal singing in the stove? Yeah, that's about the nicest coal we ever got. It sputters and whistles so, so sweetly, Tommy. It should sputter and whistle. Fourteen bucks a ton, Madeline. See what I mean, folks? Just simple talk. Coal in the stove. They were tickled with it. Also concerning sunsets, which take place over the Palisades, they had this to say, to wit. 
I'm wild about sunsets, Tommy. All full of pink and red and clouds that just ooze with purple, greenish gold. It's the dust particles in the air that does it, Madeline. I read it in a book. But don't you just love sunsets, Tommy? Yeah, they're okay. Sunsets have that certain something about them that only... that only sunsets have. That's exactly how I feel, too, Tommy. You see, folks, they live this simple life. And need I add at this point that they were very, very happy, exceedingly happy? To advance my remarks, Tommy says to Madeline one day, Oh, I'm washed up. I can't get to first base. What's the matter, Tommy? Nobody's interested in my lyrics. But why? You write the nicest lyrics, Tommy. I thought the last one was the best thing you ever... You mean the one about the Higgly Wiggly Walrus? Yes, that was the sweetest lyric you ever wrote. Especially the line that goes, Bazunga, Bazango, the jellyfish like to tangle at the Higgly Wiggly Walrus Ball. Oh, it's simply beautiful, Tommy. Oh, they give you the same old story. Brzezinski says they want something original, something peppy. Oh, I see. Well, Tommy, I have a surprise for you. In fact, two surprises. Yeah? First of all, I wrote a lyric myself. You wrote a lyric? It took me seven and a half hours. Here, read it. If you write the music for it, Tommy, maybe Mr. Bajornsky will buy it. Hmm. Say, what's this first word you got written here? Uh, the word is thanks. Oh, hmm. Let's see now. Thanks be to God for a house that is warm. Hmm. For trundle beds that... Madeline, why did you go and write stuff like this for? Well, you see... Oh, you'll never guess what, Tommy. What? I went to the doctor today and he said, yes, definitely. You mean? We're going to have a baby. Wow! And when I came back to the house, I was so happy. I, I just sat in the chair and cried. And, oh, the house seemed so beautiful. I mean, the walls and windows and outside the windows and everything. And, well, the words of the song just came to me, Tommy. The above is a very nice little interlude. I personally like to see people happy. Well, time moves on, and Madeline has a baby who they call James Ambrose, on account of because they happen to like the name. And now, having three mouths to feed, Tommy forgets his songwriting for a while and gets himself a job with the Bub Bubble Gum Company. You know, the guys which go around putting gum into slot machines? Well, that's our boy, Tommy. And when he ain't working, he's spending most of his time leaning over James Ambrose, going... a goo a boo a moo hoochie coochie coochie don't laugh, folks. Your old man must likely done the same with you. Well, to advance my story, one day Madeline says to Tommy... Tommy, did you ever write music for that lyric I gave you? Honey, I told you before, it's very nice and all that, but it's just not commercial. It's like a... like a hymn, and you can't sell hymns to Tin Pan Alley. I bet Mr. Brzezinski would buy it if he saw the words. I couldn't take a lyric like that to Brzezinski. He'd laugh at me. Oh, come on, Tommy. Let's go down and see him. No, Madeline, I... I can't. Just for me, Tommy. I said no, and that's final. So they went down to see Mr. Bajunsky. But a woman still uh, thanks be to God for the song. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid this would never go, no. But, Mr. Bajunsky, if Tommy wrote the music for it and sang it, he has a wonderful voice, Mr. Bajunsky. <laughs> I appreciate you bringing it to me, Mrs. Keneally, but uh, it just ain't... Uh, it, it ain't... Commercial. Uh, sure, like Tommy says, it just ain't commercial. Now, if I was you, Keneally, I'd really smarten up. Why, what do you mean? You want my advice? I think you ought to forget songwriting and singing and start a one-man agency around your wife. My wife? <laughs> sure, Hollywood's been looking for a face like that for years. I mean it, on the level. Mrs. Keneally, if you can read a single line of script, 
I'd be willing to guarantee that inside six months... Well, it's like I personally say, truth is stranger than friction. And this is where I come into the picture myself. You see, I'm one of the gods out here in Interstellar Pictures Incorporated. I interview personally anybody who wants to tour the studios. So, to continue, one bright day I see walking up to me a girl and a fellow with a little kid in his arms. They come walking towards me. The girl says... Who do you have to see to get into pictures? To which I seriously respond, Lady, are you kidding? To which she rejoins... No. Sister, listen, if you'll take my advice, you'll grab the first train out of here. Hollywood is no place for you. It's bulging at the seams, as it is, with too many people who want to get into the act. I can give it a try, can't I? Well, that's how I first came to know Madeline. So out of the abundance of my heart, and may I add that my heart is full of abundance, I wrote on the card the name of a personal friend of mine who I happen to know. Oh, thank you so much. Think nothing of it. Go see this guy and tell, tell him Giblin sent you. Mr. Edgar Glunt? That's right. Edgar happens to know a guy who is intimately connected with a friend of a fella who knows the brother-in-law of electrician's uncle. Oh. And don't forget, tell him Giblin sent you. So what happens next? You'd be surprised at what happens next. Listen. We've been out here eight months, Madeline, and I'm getting fed up with it. But I've been in four pictures already, Tommy. Sure, but why do they keep putting you in pictures with gorillas? My last picture wasn't with a gorilla. We had tigers. Well, anyway, they're mixing you up with too many animals. It's not that I have anything against tigers, Madeline, or gorillas either. But they never give you the leading part. Do you ever shoot a gorilla? Do you ever kill a tiger? No. But I've got to work my way up, Tommy. And don't forget, in my last picture, I was in it for six minutes. Yeah, six minutes. The tiger had to mangle somebody. But it was dramatic, Tommy. When that tiger mangled me, that was the climax. Oh, Madeline. I don't know. It's... it's... What's the matter? Well, I'm not jealous, Madeline, but I do think you're on the go too much. Well, I've got to keep appointments. My agent insists. I know all about your agent, but you're married to me and not him. Sometimes I wish I was back in the Bronx with nothing to worry about except putting bub bubble gum in slot machines. Give me six more months, Tommy. We'll settle down then. And another thing, Madeline. Now, don't get mad. I won't. Well, don't keep going to dinner with that big shot. You mean Mr. Hudson? Whatever his name is. Why, that's nothing but publicity. Mr. Hudson has a lot of influence, Tommy. He's going to introduce me to Walter Morgan, one of the biggest producers in Hollywood. All right, maybe he is. But you don't have to go to the Hudge and Fudge with him so often. The Hudge and Fudge is a very pleasant restaurant, Tommy. And besides, Mr. Hudson won't eat spinach anywhere else. The olive oil at the Hudge and Fudge... Okay, okay. Uh... Where are you going now? It's another one of those dinner dates. Don't bother waiting up, Tommy. No, Madeline. Oh, I forgot to tell you I'm dining with the friendly daughters of Azusa. Oh, uh, the friendly daughters of... You were going to say something? Oh, no, I mean, yeah, yes. I mean, well, good night, Madeline. Have a nice spinach salad. I mean, have a nice tea with the friendly daughters. It's a dinner, Tommy. <laughs> good. Swell. Eat up, Madeline. Eat up. <laughs> So, lo and behold, what do you think happens consequentially? You'll be surprised at what happens consequentially. Listen. The newspaper carried another article about you and Mr. Hudson. Tommy, why do you keep talking about Mr. Hudson? Why do you keep going out with him? Maybe it's because I want to. 
Now are you satisfied? I see. And in the meantime, what am I supposed to do? Sit up with little James Ambrose every night while you and Mr. Hudson eat spinach? That also might not be a bad idea. Madeline, you're beginning to get me exasperated. I don't know why you're making all this fuss. I'm only trying to get a contract. Sure, and if you eat enough spinach with Mr. Hudson, he'll introduce you to Mr. Walter Morgan and then well, you... what's wrong with that? You don't have to stay out till 11 o'clock at night eating spinach with spinach a... Spinach again? You said he liked spinach. You've got spinach on the brain. I'm not talking about spinach. All right, what are you talking about? About you, that's who. You said you'd stop working after six months. We were supposed to settle down. After all, you are Mrs. Keneally. I want that contract, and I'm going to get it. Okay, okay. Go on and get your contract. But I'm through, and I'm clearing out. I'm taking James Ambrose with me. You're leaving James Ambrose here. You can keep your gorillas and tigers and, and, and your spinach, too. And if you want to come back to me and James Ambrose, you'll have to come crawling on your hands and knees. That's what you'll have to do, you... you... second-rate amateur, you... <laughs> So that's the situation, huh, Tommy? Yes, Mr. Giblin. I told her off this morning. And she won't let you have James Ambrose? Oh, I should care. You know what I'm becoming? What? Reckless. Oh, you're just a little perturbed. Why don't you go back and... Mr. Giblin, I've gone out and worked for Madeline. Day in and day out. Slot machines carrying bubble gum from Bowling Green to Throg's Neck. A crease in my back. A crease where the strap hangs. Oh, that bubble gum. What did I ever get out of it? A wife that runs after a spinach maniac. But Mr. Hudson is only trying... Well, I've had more than enough. I'm going back to New York. I'm the super chief, too. I'll spend. I'll splurge. I'll become a... I'll become a, a derelict. That's what I'll become. And if she wants to reclaim me from the gutter, she'll have to come crawling to me on her hands and knees. Is she going to have a guilty conscience? There's a storm brewing on the home front tonight, folks. What was once a state of happy bliss has deteriorated to a state of consternation. Accusation, alienation, and embarkation by the way of Super Chief, and back again to consternation. It's a vicious cycle. So what happens next? A buzz happens. A gentle buzzing at my door. Oh, it's you, Madeline. And little James Ambrose with his lemon and lime lollipop. Oh, Mr. Gibbon, I just had to come and see you. This past week has been just... Restrain yourself, Madeline. Relax. I know the whole story. About me and Tommy? Yes, as a matter of fact, Tommy phoned me from New York this morning, pushing a person long distance. Oh, oh, I'm so glad he's safe. I didn't know where... So that's where he went. From the sound of his voice, I'd say he was not only frantic and distraught, he was even upset. I'll never go back to him. Those are harsh words, Madeline. He thinks I'm no good. He called me an amateur. But I've got a career. Mr. Hudson told me. He's going to introduce me to Walter Morgan and... Listen, Madeline. You're a sweet and lovely girl. you got a lot of talent. I mean it. But confidentially, I think your place is back in the Bronx with geraniums on your windowsill and dandelion in your hair. Why, if I was you, I'd grab the first train and... What's the matter, kid? You don't think I'm any good either. Madeline, I didn't say that... I'll have you know I won a medal for oratory back in junior high. But my dear Mrs. T... I'm not saying I'm the world's best actress. Madeline! But I'll show him. I'll show everybody. Maybe you think I'm not serious, Mr. Giblin. Maybe you think I ought to go back to pots and pans and slave for that, that, that tenth-rate songwriter. Him and his higgly-wiggly walruses. Well, I'll prove to him that I can be a star. When he sees my picture on all the billboards, and when he sees pictures of me sitting in the hudge-and-fudge restaurant with other celebrities, then he'll come crawling back to me on his hands and knees. <laughs> The situation, folks, has become an incredibly worse. It's a problem. 
I pace my floor Monday. It's still a problem. I pace my floor Tuesday. Still a problem. I'm flustered. I'm distorted. Then all of a sudden, bang! Like a sledgehammer, it hits me. I get an idea. And folks, when Giblin gets an idea, Giblin gets an idea. I'll be glad to cooperate, Giblin, but why does it have to be on July the 3rd? Because, Mr. Walter Morgan, it's got to be on the 3rd of July the 3rd. Sure, I'll cooperate, Giblin, but uh, why must it be on July the 3rd? Because, Mr. Gladfly, it's got to be on July the 3rd. I, uh, I've had a conference with Mr. Giblin, Mrs. Keneally. Oh, yes, Mr. Morgan. I suppose you've heard about our coming production, Boy Does Not Meet Girl? Yes, Mr. Morgan. Mr. Giblin advises me that you have talent, uh, exceptional talent. Oh, yes, Mr. Morgan. You, uh, understand if we cast you in this role, you'll get a chance to sign up with us, a long-term contract. Yes, Mr. Morgan. Fine. Now, please be on hand for your screen test July the 3rd. Yes, Mr. Morgan. Are you getting the drift of my story, folks? Why, it's got everything. Suspense, conflict, confusion. But to advance the action, let us proceed with the next interlude. What happens? A buzz happens. A gentle buzzing at my door. Come in. Oh, it's you, Madeline. With James Ambrose and his lemon and lime lollipop. Oh, I'm so excited about tomorrow. Oh, you're gonna knock him dead. I've got my lines memorized. You've got some corking lines there, Madeline. Just give them with the right inflections and conjunctions, inflecting where you're supposed to inflect and conjuncting where you're supposed to conjunct, and that contract is indubitably yours. Uh, but what I came to see you about, Mr. Giblin, is... Well, could we all go to the Hudge and Fudge restaurant after the screen test? The Hudge and Fudge? I mean, if we could have a picture taken with the celebrities, you know, after... After signing a contract with Mr. Morgan, is that it? Yes. Madeline, you wouldn't be trying to make Tommy jealous, would you? Oh, no, it's not... Yes, Mr. Giblin. I want to teach him a lesson he'll never forget. You're very vindictive tonight, Madeline. However, regarding the hudge and fudge and etc., I'll make the arrangements. And when Giblin makes the arrangements... Giblin makes the arrangements. July the 3rd, the screen test. Everybody is there. Morgan is there. Madeline is there. I'm there. But all this is neither here nor there. Quiet. The camera is focused. The lights are up. Madeline speaks. I have suffered. I have suffered much. I have suffered over much, exceedingly too much suffered, and now I die. I pass away. I die. How did I do, Mr. Gibbon? Was I... Suburb, suburb. I knew it. I felt the part in every marrow of my bones. Here's Mr. Morgan's office. He wants to see me, Madeline. Between you and me, I think you've landed a lifetime job this afternoon. Wait out here. Uh, well, tell Mr. Morgan there's no hurry about the contract. We can all go to the Hudge and Fudge first and... Just as you say, Madeline. I'll be right back with the good news, kid. Is she outside, Giblin? Yes, Mr. Morgan. She's standing near the door. I hate to do this, Giblin. Come on, come on, don't waste time. Give it to me, and give it to me loud. 
Mr. Giblin? Yes, Mr. Morgan. Louder, Morgan, louder. I was under the impression that we were to have a screen test this afternoon. Well, of course. What seems to be the predicament? Where is all this talent you've been telling me about? Talent? Why, Madeline Keneally is bubbling over with talent. Talent? Why, have all the preposterous impositions on my time. That's the way, Morgan. Come on, louder. Why, if I were honest enough, I'd go out and tell that dame to break her leg and get herself shot. Suburb, you're wonderful, Morgan. A Missouri mule, Giblin. A Missouri mule without a script could have done a better job. You're inspired, Morgan, my She boy. was rank. She was futile. She was... she was positively horrible. Why... Madeline. It's all right. I heard everything. I've heard enough. I want to go home. But we can't go home yet. The Hudge and Fudge reservations. Madeline, the photographer. I want to go home. I don't know what I'll do now, Mr. Giblin. I'll never be able to face Tommy again. Oh, forget this afternoon. I'm if at first you don't succeed, Madeline... No, I don't have talent. I never had talent. Madeline, it's about time I let you in on a secret. Sure, I told Morgan you had talent, and I meant it. It's a fact, but I didn't tell him what kind of talent you got. The way I see you, kid, with those three freckles on your nose and your nice, clean eyes, you're just bubbling over with talent. Talent to make somebody happy. Your husband, your family. You've got talent for being a wife. Talent for... Well, for picking a morning glory off a backyard fence, for throwing a lamb stew together, for singing a sweet and simple song, for a guy who comes home tired at the end of the day. You're like millions of other kids, amateurs, strictly amateurs. But boy, what class. And speaking of amateurs, Madeline, this is still July the 3rd. Why, why what do you mean? Major Gladfly's amateur hour. It's on right now. Listen to the amateurs, Madeline. Jack Prevettinus trombone, ladies and gentlemen. And now our next contender. Your name, please. Thomas Keneally. Mr. Giblin. Shh, quiet, Madeline. Uh, you're going to sing an original song, I believe. Uh, that right, Mr. Keneally? Well, it's not exactly original, sir. My wife wrote the words and I wrote the music. <laughs> uh, well, now, that's a very nice combination. Is your wife listening? I don't know. I hope she is. And if she is listening, I hope the song makes her hit parade.
Mr. Giblin. Yes, Madeline? Tommy's music was beautiful. Sure, but only because you wrote the words. Tommy and I, we go well together, don't we? That's right, Madeline. Matter of fact, it's one of the nicest combinations I know of. Husband and wife, together. They make sweet music, Madeline. Colossal, stupendous music. Together. This is Father David again from Family Theater. This story is from 1948, but the challenges for couples have not gotten any easier. Each person in the relationship has gifts and talents. How do you balance a personal call with a call to unity and service within the family? Tommy and Madeline in our story found unity in a simple song of gratitude. Appreciating each other is so important. Prayer can help a couple focus on the most important things in family life. And family has never been more important. Thanks for listening. And now, a final word from host Jimmy Durante. Let me step out of character for a minute, folks. I'm the narrator, Jimmy Durante. I'm talking to you now as host of Family Theater. We gave you a story tonight, a radio play about a family. We people of the radio and movie industries... That includes everybody from the big shot who owns the station down to the last kid who's knocking at the door of a talent agency. We've got something at stake, and that's the American family. Of course, I don't preach to people. I'm only supposed to be a comedian. Anyway, what I want to say is this. There's nothing more beautiful in this life than a happy family. I mean it. And maybe we should remember that sacrifice... Patience, hardship, all these things, together with robins and sunsets, joys and laughter, make a happy family. We can't have these things unless we look back and up, up to God. That's why we say, pray. Pray to God as a family. That means getting our kids around us, in the parlor, in the kitchen. It means just for a few minutes, lifting our hearts and minds to God. Too many families are unhappy these days. Too many families are breaking up. These families don't know that a family that prays together stays together. Good night and God bless you. Mm-hmm.